Bibles, come on and turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 4. We're going again reading at verse number 35. And the same day when the even was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the higher part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Text today is coming from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 40. Some of you that have been in church most of your life, you have heard about the story of Christ and his disciples traveling over to the other side. This book of Mark was penned by a disciple by the name of John Mark. And I'm only going to tell you his history because I feel that his history is important to our present and also to our future. It is this John Mark who was a part of the body of Christ, the nephew of a great apostle by the name of Barnabas. And those of you that know the truth of the teaching, Barnabas and Paul were two of the greatest apostles. They would go on a missionary journey and begin to converting those who were in Judaism over to Christianity. They would take this young man by the name of John Mark, who was a nephew of Barnabas, and scripture suggests that John Mark deserted them, that he left them. And when it came time for the Apostle Paul and Barnabas to make another missionary journey, Paul said, listen, man, he left us one time. I can't take it with me again. Some of you here, you can identify with that. Some of us have a, a one rule, one broke rule clause in our life that if somebody calls you one time, that's going to be the last time. You break off me one time, that's going to be the last time. So I believe that the Apostle Paul lived by this creed because John Mark left them one time and he told Barnabas, I'm not taking him with me again. But you do know that blood sometimes is thicker than water. So Barnabas would tell Paul and they would get into a disagreement and they would have to part company because Barnabas wanted to take this John Mark. But I love the character of John Mark because the Bible lets us know that even though he deserted the disciples in the beginning, that was not the last chapter of his life. Here's a man that left Paul and Barnabas and deserted them, but they were giving him another chance. And Paul would come back later on and write, he would say, I need you to send me that same John Mark that deserted us in the beginning because he is profitable now. We must understand that, that in life that you can have somebody in your vicinity that may not be profitable today, but it does not mean that God cannot make them profitable tomorrow. 
we have to understand that God does not want us to give up on people because God did not give up on us. If you could testify, there was a time in our life that we weren't profitable. There, there was a time in some of our life that we were good for nothing. But thank God that he did not close the door on us. Listen, God, God changes you so he, he blesses you so he makes you profitable so and so folk don't even know how much dope you used to smoke. They, they don't know how much weed you used to smoke. But God changes you so and so you don't even look like the stuff that he brought you out of. And so we have to be mindful that we don't close the door on people because they are not where we are in Christ and forget how long God waited for us to get our job together. comes back and he writes and says this John Mark, he is profitable. Now send me John Mark. That may not be your testimony but it can be today. Maybe you're that Christian that keeps going back and forth. Maybe you're the one that does good for a week and you backslide every other week. Let me remind you of John Mark. May not have been profitable last week but God said I can do a new thing in your life. So our text today is written and penned by this young man by the name of John Mark. Picks up the story in verse 35. He's talking about the life of Christ. It's amazing to me that even when we look at the life of John the Mark and him pinning this Mark 435, I want to make one more point before I move. And that is that your history really qualifies you for ministry. Sometimes we look down on our history. We look down on the things we've done. We look down on the things we've said. But, but God say that is really what qualifies you to be a testimony. Yeah. Now, now, now notice I said it qualifies you. Not that you should still be living in it. Now, now, now if you're still living in it, now that's a problem. But, but when God brings you from your past, it is your history that qualifies you for your ministry. I don't want nobody preaching to me that they got no history. I, I don't want you telling me about anything if you ain't been through nothing. I don't need you quote anything if you ain't never been down. I don't need you preaching anything if you've never been to the place where you felt like giving up and you just didn't feel like praying or praising or going to church. I need somebody that can tell me, preacher, I done been there, I done done that, and I still want my praise. You don't tell somebody, it is my history that qualified me. I know you look down on me because of where I came from, but God said, nigga, I'm looking up on you because of where For Mark 435, we find the life of Jesus Christ. He tells his disciples in verse 35, he says, Let us go over on the other side. Read from Mark chapter 4, the beginning verses. Jesus Christ is ministering, he's giving parable after parable to make this gospel plain. Now that he ministers on this side of the water, he tells his disciples, Now it's time to go over on the other side. Verse 4, chapter 4, 35, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. In the text, we understand that first of all, he gives them a destination. Why the destination, preacher? Because that's simply how God loves to work. He's the kind of God that will show you the end before he ever starts you. 
He's the kind of God that allowed them to put the Bible together and would not only give you Genesis, but to show you the triumph of Revelation. So he tells them before anything ever happens, he says, let us go over on the other side. We search the scripture, we find out that God is a God that loves to reveal destination. Jeremiah 29 and 11, it says that I know the thoughts that I think towards you, they are thoughts of peace and not of evil. He said, because I'm going to give you what I call an expected end. What he calls in 35, he gives them an expected end. You want to tell somebody, I'm expecting something. I'm, I'm expecting something. Read in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and verse number 7, when God called Abraham, he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and your seed. He said, because of you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. Abraham was so blessed. And so God said, Abraham, those that curse you, they're going to be cursed. Not only will you be blessed, but I'm going to give this land unto your seed. He gives Abraham destination in Genesis 37 and 5. We find a story by the man by the name of Joseph. And then at verse 5, God will give Joseph a dream. And in the dream, we find out that there will be shears that will be bowing down to one tall shear. And God will be letting Joseph know that, son, this is your destination. He gives Joseph the destination before the trouble. What do you see? Young Jones, that God will always reveal to us the destination. He will always give you a word of what your end is supposed to be. But whatever destination God gives you, whatever word God gives you, don't you fool yourself. Every word has to be tried. That's what happens sometimes when you come to church and you get that great word and you're shouting and you're dancing and you think that you're going to walk outside and run into your big No, you walk outside and you run into the fact that life will try the word that God has given you. How do you know this? Young preacher, Rock speaks to Abraham. He tells Abraham that you are blessed beyond measure. That's in verse number 7. But by the time you get to verse number 10, the word that God spoke in verse number 7 is tried by the family. He tells Joseph in Genesis 37 and 5, he says, listen, your parents, your brothers, they're all going to bow down to you. But a few verses later, that same Joseph that had that great dream, he finds himself in the bottom of the pit because when God speaks a word to you, he'll allow life to try the word that he has spoken. When he speaks to them in 35 and says, let us go over to the other side. It is the storm that is on the waters that tries the word that he spoke in verse 35. But may I submit to you that there ain't a devil in hell that can change what God has spoken over your life. If God has given you a destination, your poverty can't stop it. Your intellect can't stop it. Your anus can't stop it. The very gates of hell cannot stop what God has spoken over your life. Not the 
after the word was given. It wasn't just any kind of storm. The Bible says that it was a great storm. Now, when you read the same passage, same story in Luke chapter 8, around verse 22, but the Bible says that they launch forth. That, that they launch from one destination going forth to the other destination, and while moving forward, the storm comes. What are you saying, young preacher? That some storms arise in your life simply because of the fact that you have made a decision that I ain't staying here no more. The devil does not want progress in your life. So when I make my mind up that I've been here long enough, and I make my mind that I'm going forward, we'll find that sometimes a storm will arise. Why? Why the storm preaching? The storm comes because God knows what's in you. The storm comes because the devil don't want you to make progress. He doesn't want you to be a better you. He don't want you to walk away from the old you because he understands that if I lose you, you won't touch somebody else. If, if I lose you, you won't save somebody else. If I lose you, you won't reach back and grab your sister. You won't reach back and grab your brother. You won't go back to me here. The devil wants you to make progress because he's afraid of what you're going to become. You think the devil is afraid of your today? No, baby. He's scared of you. Mark 435 storm. 
somebody rejoicing, but your storm is not Mark 435. There are times you have to put out your gospel rail and figure out what type of storm you're in. Why everything is so jacked up in your life? It's jacked up because you have a 
running from God. And when he ran from God, God allowed a storm to arise. And when the storm arose, everybody that was on the boat with Jonah, they were in danger of losing their life. Sometimes we don't know how powerful our disobedience is. You're in a storm, and it's a Jonah kind of storm. You not only put your life in danger, you put your child's life in danger. Listen, when you're in a disobedient storm, you become a danger to those that are around you. Oh. So if you're in a Jonah storm, the only way to change it is you got to walk in obedience. The only way to change it. You got to cut off who God told you to cut off. The only way to change it. You didn't win that man and y'all ain't married. He ain't talking marriage and ain't following Jesus. You can't change that storm until you walk in the obedient. Y'all don't pray for me in here. Fishermen. 